Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. School's out for summer, so I'm told. No, I don't don't have to be told. I'm like right in the middle of it. Maybe you are as well. I don't know. Maybe your school has another week. They kind of cut a few days off my kid's school and... Uh, in a legal way. Nobody did anything wrong. Um, some of the kids were supposed to end this week, some next week, and it all got rolled in to really yesterday and parts of today. So I got to figure out what summer plans look like. What a wild year in just a year of, of probably half a year we've not, few of us have experienced before, if any of us. Uh, so we'll talk about some of that. But, you know, look, it's great to be back in the studio, second week back. And, you know, look, I I am fortunate that my health has been good and steady. So is my family. But I know a lot of people are hurting. So if you are, you're recovering from the coronavirus or any other issues related to that or any. uh, We're, you know, we continue to pray for you and hope the best for you as, you know, we go through this transition. And there is whether you've got kids in school or not. That calendar does affect a lot of what we do in our community, state and country for that matter. But if you're new to the show or if you're a veteran, and we're going to talk to a veteran today. Um, you know, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And I am excited about our guest today. I think this is his first time on. Our guest today is going to be Houston City Council member Mike Knox. We're going to talk about issues of service. We're going to talk about what's going on with local government and the coronavirus response and how that relates to your constitutional freedoms. And then I'm sure many people have heard about the really time period and tragedy and the loss that the Knox family went through uh, recently. And we're going to talk about Mike's son, Jason. But, you know, it's exciting when we have someone that's their first time onto the show uh, because we like to expand really kind of our reach, but also give people a chance to be a part of our program. So, Councilman Mike Knox, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Well, thank you for having me, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, hopefully we can have a great conversation today. Yes, and just so everyone knows, uh, Councilman Knox, he's a lifelong public servant. He's got a history of honorable service. He is a veteran of the United States Air Force. We're going to talk a little bit about that with Memorial Day rolling around uh, next week, next Monday. He is a former Houston police officer. And as I mentioned, he's currently the at-large position one member for Houston City Council, was elected in 2015 and started in 2016. Councilman Knox, You've got history of service in a lot of different ways, but a lot of that started with your service to our country in the Air Force. Memorial Day is coming up this week. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how constitutional freedoms uh, can be balanced or really protected during a lot of the things that some governments are doing right now. And those freedoms start with people that put their life on the line every day in our military service. Talk to us a little bit about what that was like for you and, 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 then, and then for you to step into police force. I mean, two very uh, dangerous, I guess, and, you know, and, and brave climates to be in. Well, I was in the Air Force as an, enlist, an enlisted guy, so I don't know how dangerous that was. I mean, uh, I was stationed in the foreign nation of South Dakota for four long years and uh, protected our nation's missiles from communist rats, mice, and owls, you know. So uh, I was lucky enough uh, that when I went in, it was in 1975, and there was no active war going on. You know, Vietnam had just ended, and we hadn't gotten into anything else uh, during that time. Uh, but nevertheless, that service was important to our country, and and uh, I, I defended our nation's uh, constitution and our laws. And then, and of course, so when I got out, I joined the Houston Police Department and did the same thing. And one of one of the things, you know, people who serve their country or their city in these these sorts of capacities, they really understand that that constitution 
is a document that is a living, breathing document, and it doesn't change. It, it is the standard by which we hold our, our values to um, as far as a country and, a, and that sort of thing. So I took it seriously when I took the oath in, in the military. I took the oath again at the, um, you know, when I joined the police department. I took the oath a third time uh, as a city council member, and I take those very, very seriously. And one of the things that I like to do is remember that that document is a guidepost. It's a guideline for us to follow. And it doesn't go away uh, because it's inconvenient and or, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to follow. And, and that's part of our problem that we see with this COVID-19 response from government, not just the city government, but the state, the county, the national government, is, is we put aside a lot of our Constitution and we've, we've surrendered that, those freedoms, those liberties, if you will, um, in order to feel safe. And I believe it was uh, Benjamin Franklin who said at one point, I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh, if you give up your, your liberty for safety, you'll have neither safety nor liberty. And we're seeing that play out uh, in Houston and surrounding areas right now. Uh, for example, you know, the, the government has shut down businesses. Well, that means that a whole bunch of people who didn't have a job. Well, now we're having to, to have food lines and do food uh, you know, giveaways all over the city because people can't buy the food they need to feed their family. They're, we've had to suspend um, evictions and so forth because people can't afford to pay their rent. That, of course, is creating an environment where people are scared and some of, of people are, are engaging in criminal activity to try to, to close the gap on the money. So we have an increase in crime. Of course, our government is releasing criminals um, uh, that should be in jail. They're worried about them getting sick, so they're releasing them out into the public. And those those people are continuing their, their life of crime. Uh, so we have an increase in crime. We've had uh, you know more people uh, needing welfare, more, more people needing food assistance, rent assistance, all that sort of thing that costs money. Where does that money come from? It does. It comes from the people who pay taxes. Well, if you if, if you don't have any money to pay your taxes at some point, it's all going to grind to a halt. And I'm not sure if that's intentional or accidental, but I think it's driven mostly by fear. Well, look, those are legitimate points. And I mean, there's been a lot for people to adjust to over the past couple of months. And, you know, I think there are a lot of things we can think of. Of Okay, the government's well-meaning. We're talking with Houston City Councilman Mike Knox, a little bit about service. And before I forget, salute to service, okay? If you served in military service, if you lost a loved one, a family member who served in our armed forces, we salute you. That that service is so important to what Councilman Knox is talking about in our constitutional freedoms. But also people like uh, Councilman Knox that are in government, that are also served in police forces, first responders, that, that phrase in term has kind of been widened a little bit to a lot of the medical professionals these days that are on a lot of these front lines dealing with and putting themselves at risk with the coronavirus. But we were talking, uh, Councilman Knox, you were mentioning a little bit about some of the response of local government, because while many of them are well-meaning, that doesn't mean that their decisions are right and that they should put things in place that become so restrictive that really do more harm than good. And I think that's we're beyond that tipping point. Now, thankfully, in our state, our governor has continued to address those issues. And I think many of us would like to see things open up a little bit more than they already have. But at least he's heading things in the right direction where you still have places like San Antonio and others and, and maybe even in Houston and Harris County where they're still holding the reins back and forcing businesses and other uh, activities and entities to shut down and therefore causing some of the problems you're talking about. And sometimes people do lose their lives when those type of criminal activities happen as well. 
Well, not only the loss of life from criminal activity, but also suicides are up tremendously. Uh, violence in the home is up tremendously, and that has to do with stressors on people's uh, lives. And uh, the government, in this case, did that. And yes, the city of Houston is continuing. Uh, I know that our parks and stuff are still remain closed. Um, the Harris County uh, judge, uh, Lena Hidalgo, has extended um, the thing through the 10th of June or something like that. Uh, so the work safe at home uh, thing. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's all based in emotion. And this is a problem in government generally, not just here in Houston, but everywhere. People make decisions based on their emotion, what feels good to them. They, they don't take any reasonable, uh, logical approach to determining a plan for whatever problem they've got. So what happens is we, we want to be safe, so we create these environments, we make an emotional decision, and we're not really anticipating or considering the unintended consequences. Uh, I, I made this uh, statement to some people here just the other day that 29 mil- million people in Texas have been affected by COVID, but only about 14,000 of them are sick. And of the 14,000 that are sick, uh, there's about um, 2,900 that required hospitalization, and 2,300 of those have been released from the hospital. So we've shut down the government uh, because we're afraid of a pandemic. Now, granted, the initial the initial uh, reports on this potential the pandemic were just astronomical, but we've come to find out that the um, the models used um, used a, a you know basis for the for the modeling was incorrect. It was a bad assumptions uh, being made by the people who who did the model. So bad information in produces bad information out. When as soon as we realized that our hospitals were not going to be overwhelmed by this disease, we should have adjusted our response and opened things back up again. Um, and well, we're look, at that point it- now. No, no, you, you make a relevant point. And I'm holding up a picture of you in your cowboy hat here from um, a website with your bio. And, you know, just it's always nice when we're on Facebook. And if you're watching on YouTube, click that little subscribe button so you can get these live videos and reports updated. We want to continue to increase our reach. Uh, you know, look, and, and these are valid points. I mean, the decisions that government makes impact a lot of people's lives. And a lot of times people feel like there's nothing they can do about it, you know, but they can. I mean, elections have consequences. The decisions that are being made today are because people elected these people in office. A lot of local elections are going to now be happening in November. They got pushed in November because of the coronavirus uh, response, if you will. A lot of state. And of course, we've got a presidential election coming up in November as well. I think it's important for people to not forget about that when they think about going to the ballot box and just think that all oh, these local issues are, you know, nonpartisan and everyone's just kind of the same. Uh, that's not true. I, I saw a tweet, I think it was a week or two ago from. Uh, Sylvester Turner, who I'm familiar with. He's the mayor of Houston, but he also served in the Texas House at the Texas Capitol. And we interacted from time to time. He put out something on social media, you know, suggesting that they were going to be, you know, checking people as they came back or chastising people that went to Galveston for the beach uh, I think Mother's Day weekend, and it really had this tone that what they're going to, you know, when people come back into the city limits from Houston or to Houston, they're going to be checking people and what have kind of a, you know, maybe some type of um, station Roadblock. patrol or whatever, a checkpoint, um, and hold them accountable to some crime. I mean, this is where some members of local government are spending their time, and it well, doesn't seem you're, to you're be right. the right spot. Yeah, you're right, Jonathan. Part of the problem is that 
the uh, the mayor of Houston and the county judge in Harris County are both fomenting fear like you wouldn't believe. So, for example, the way they report uh, the daily report of COVID cases. Now, what people they don't bother to explain is that the reports that we get are batch reports. In other words, the the people that are doing all the testing they save up till they get a bunch of them and then they report them to the city. So those those 117 new COVID cases or whatever that they're reporting. It, they make it sound like that, that those are the new cases that were discovered to death. But in fact, those those re- results from those tests uh, are four days to a week old. And so it used to be that you could get on the Harris County website and see a chart where they would take the, the reports of the, the daily you know batch totals and they would assign the date of, uh, that the, the test was taken. If it came back positive, they would stick that one on the bar graph for that day. And so that, that way you can see the rise and fall of the COVID virus. Well, they've, I've started publicizing that on my website, and uh, they've taken that, that bar down because they don't want people to see that, you know, that the pattern has been that we reached our peak somewhere in the middle of April, and it's been declining ever since. Our testing has been improving. I mean, we've, we're testing more and more people, but the percentage of return of positive cases is actually diminishing. But, you know, they're only reporting the positive cases and they're collecting them in batches. And that's designed to create fear uh, in the minds of people. The mayor also put out a tweet the other day that I was a, a little offended by. He, he basically said, wear your, it's better to wear your mask and remain verbal than to not wear your mask and put a sheet over you and not feel anything. In other words, if you don't wear your mask, you're going to die. And the fact of the matter is the numbers don't, pr- don't actually show that, the data doesn't actually show that. Yes, this is a very virulent disease. It's easily contagious and people are going to get it. But the vast majority of people that get this disease, it's survivable and it's inconvenient. It's, it's, you know, it's not a thing you want to get. But if you just give people the information, they'll take the appropriate precautions to prevent themselves and their family members from getting the disease. I think that's a good point. rely on people to do that. No, I think it's a good point. We're talking with Houston City Councilman Mike Knox. He served on the Houston City Council since 2016, also served in the Houston Police Department as a police officer. And before that, he served our country in the United States Air Force. I think it's a good point, right? You know, the government needs to trust and let people make their decisions. We've got to a point to where, and some people may want to take those precautions. Let them. Let freedom decide. Let people decide, hey, I will decide what works best for me. Other people decide what works best for them. And in the meantime, um, have an opportunity for businesses to get going, for people to decide what works for them and respect that instead of the government trying to force and punish people in some situations with threat of jail time. Let's talk about something a little bit more personal um, uh, on the show. I, you know, in this, and, and we're going to follow the discussion where, however you want to take it. You know, I um, got to know your family several years ago and along the way. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I heard about uh, the sudden and the tragic uh, death and passing of your son, Houston police officer, Jason Knox, uh, boy, it just hit me really deeply. And I know a lot of people felt that way. And and I just was couldn't imagine how things were for you and Helen. Talk to us a little bit about Jason and just how amazing it was also to see uh, his life and legacy be memorialized um, the way that it was at that beautiful service at Houston First Baptist Church. 
Yeah, well, Jason was a great man. I got to tell you, I have to say that he's uh, we've we've learned more about him uh, since he passed than than I even knew. And I and I always admired and respected him. We became friends. You know, it's great if you have a child, and it's important to teach them to be responsible and that. And and but when they when they grow up and become an adult, and you actually develop a friendship with your children, that's that's a whole different thing. And, and he and I were friends along with uh, the parent-child relationship thing. But I have to tell you that I taught him to be a free-thinking, do-your-own-research kind of guy, and uh, and he did. He's a, He be, became a, a sort of a hobby uh, historian about Texas and U.S. history. Uh, he and I had conversations all the time about that. We also discussed biblical issues, and so I, I know that uh, he was a believer and that— uh, that he's in heaven today, um, and that gives me some comfort. But the uh, you know the fact of the matter is I'm still human, and I and I'm selfish, and I didn't want him to go yet. Um, he had two beautiful children, our, our grandchildren, Cooper and Eliza. And uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, he was great. And you know, he and I discussed this, and back to the COVID thing and how government works. You know, there's risk in everything you do. Um, being a policeman is a dangerous job. Being a helicopter pilot doesn't seem on its surface to be dangerous, but a helicopter is an inherently unstable vehicle. And he understood those risks. And when he joined the police department, he understood those risks when he decided he wanted to be in the helicopter division. Um, and, and he was doing what he loved to do. Um, and and what, we, what I always taught him was the risk has to be worth the reward. And he was rewarded in his lifetime. Um, he's been beneficial to the citizens of Houston. He saved several lives from that helicopter, not only police lives, but civilian lives as well. Um, you know, catching, you know, finding people lost in, in rivers during a hurricane, uh, um, Imelda or tropical storm Imelda. He actually rescued people who couldn't be found except for the fact that he could see them from the air and get boats to them where they, where they needed them. Um, he's, protected police officers from the air, from bad guys with guns hiding in bushes, waiting to ambush them, uh, all kinds of things that he's done. And so, uh, you know, I was talking to someone about this here uh, just the other day about what is what was the statistical probability of Jason being killed in a helicopter accident? Keeping in mind, in 50 years, there's never been a fatal accident of a Houston Police Department helicopter in its history. This was the first one. And I don't think because this has happened, uh, you know, we're not going to stop flying helicopters because the reward is worth the risk. Um, although my son suffered the first casualty in the history of the Houston Police Department as a helicopter uh, tactical flight officer, uh, we're not going to stop flying helicopters because they are beneficial to the community. And that's the thing we need to look at when we have responses to pandemics and natural disasters and all that, that other stuff. There is a certain amount of risk that has to be taken in order for us to have uh, to live a life. And uh, Jason lived it to the fullest. I mean, my goodness, he, you know, he did so much in his short 35 years. Well, um, I'll tell he, you, if I may, Councilman Knox, I mean, to be a part of that service, to see people talk about him the way they did, you know, to really see also the cars that he restored, right? No. And look, I'm, I'm a, I grew up in Houston. I saw those oiler colors when I looked at some of those cars. I mean, yeah. just tremendous to see the fun that he had engaging with the community. Uh, it's yeah, he, <laughs> he used to drive those things to extra jobs and things, and he'd park them. Like we would meet him downtown for dinner or something uh, when he was working an extra job downtown, and he'd go to the to 1200 Travis, pull out one of his police cars, his restored police cars, and drive it and park it in front of Papado's there in the uh, 
the George R. Brown Convention yeah. Center area, and he'd park it right out there in front, you know, where you're not supposed to, and he'd, <laughs> he'd leave it there. And we'd go in and eat dinner. He just got a kick out of people walking up, taking pictures of his cars and standing beside them, having their pictures taken. And he just loved that to death. And, of course, it was always an opportunity to for some for him to talk about his Houston Police Department. So, Well, you know, awesome. and, and the other thing, too, I mean, to be in that church where you're family had so much history, you know, really when there's been these, you know, we've all been kind of pulling back from being in church in person. It was so great that those uh, first responder communities pulled together and that service was able to be held inside and then outside the flyovers (laughs) by a helicopter, uh, several helicopters. And just the way that, you know, the lieutenant governor was there and, and many others, just uh, the care that they had for your grandson and, and your granddaughter and um, and Jason's wife. I mean, it just, you know, I, I can't only imagine how difficult it was. But on the flip side, it was beautiful to see the way that he was remembered. It was. And it, we've, we've heard from so many people from actually all over the world. We've, we've been contacted by some Bobby's in England. Uh, evidently, when he was in the public information office a short time, uh, he gave a tour to a bunch of uh, London Bobbies about, you know, law enforcement here in Houston and, and the city. And uh, they sent uh, some real nice stories about him. So it turns out that everybody Jason met um, became his friend. In fact, Joe Gamaldi, the uh, president of the police union, was at my house visiting with us. And he was telling us that he thought at one time that uh, that he was really special because he was one of Jason's friends wow. until Jason wow. passed away and realized that everybody was Jason's friend. <laughs> and it wasn't that special after all. <laughs> but uh, but well, yeah, he, just, he was a great man. And, and we are definitely going to miss him. Um, now, his legacy is going to continue. We're working with the union and some other groups right now to try to to keep his uh, fleet of re- restored police cars um, active and available for parades and other things like that. Uh, so we're looking forward to, to wrapping up some of those. And we're going to get some more done, I think, uh, maybe two more in the near future, two more police cars. Uh, his idea was to um, have a deck, uh, one vehicle representing each decade from the beginning of cars in Houston. Uh, so he's got an 80s model and 90s model. He's got uh, we've got a, a 70s model that we're going to we might be doing and then a 2000 model. So we're going to try to bracket those two that he did. And then we'll just see how it goes from there. But well, uh, we, we'd love to continue to hear about that. We're talking with Houston City Councilman Mike Knox. We're finishing up the segment of this show here, talking about his son, Officer Jason Knox, who um, just passed away uh, un- unexpectedly in-, in a tragic accident in the middle of public service, flying a helicopter for the Houston Police uh, Department, doing the job that he did so well that he loved. And and that's that side of service. There there is that risk at times, uh, oftentimes, if not all the time, when you go out and you put the uniform on. And but you know that says something about you and Helen, Mike. Is just you know uh, the man that that he was, the people that he touched, the difference that he made. That you know, I, that was I, great. It's just beautiful. Uh, and and well, so just thank you to you and Helen too for um, you know making well, making the me- city a better place. Well, thank you, Jonathan. And just as a parting shot here, uh, I was visiting with Jason at the hangar here, you know, about a week or two before he passed away. And we were standing out there looking out over the, the runway and watching Southwest airplanes land at Javi Airport and all this kind of stuff. And he turned to me and he said, Dad, can you believe that they pay me to do this job, man? This is great. I love this. So, uh, 
we, we keep that in our in our mind and we try to, to focus on those positive things and to keep his memory alive and and, uh, and to share with with his children what he wanted to share with them. Absolutely. That's they grow. No, absolutely. So, and, well, and all the support we've got from you and all the other groups and organizations and individuals has just been a, a, uplifting for us all. He was uh, his service was in the church that he was baptized in, and yeah, so. Beautiful. And by the way, it was the first uh, a police funeral in a church since COVID started. So, hopefully, we can use his example to get past this, get back to work, uh, start doing what we all love to do in the various professions that that uh, that we all participate in, mm-hmm. and helping our country become strong again, which is was his goal. No, you're absolutely right, and life is precious, you know, and so um, extraordinary uh, gifts and gratefulness that we have to to have every day. Um, and to make the most of it like Jason did. Houston City Councilman Mike Knox has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Councilman Knox. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate the opportunity. Hey, we just got a couple of seconds here because I was not going to get in the way of Councilman Knox uh, really paying tribute to his son and so much more he could say, I'm sure. But don't forget about our work. Um, if you care about the work we do, support us at TXValues.org. You can make a tax deductible, excuse me, I can't even speak, a tax deductible donation at TXValues.org. We're continuing to do the work we do for faith, family, and freedom. We're going to have events coming up in your areas. We try to update people on our work and give them a chance to support the work we do. I think Councilman Knox might be uh, being a part of one of those in Houston. So look for those. We've got our Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum event. It's coming up on September 18th and 19th. That's our big annual event. Check it out at txvalues.org. We're going to have some great speakers that are a part of that. And continue to pray for our communities, our state, and our country. As we get through this crisis, we continue to open up more and have freedoms restored and do what we do best. And thank you for all those in military service. God bless you and God bless Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.